0: Hi everyone! Welcome to another episode on Unplug with Annie. I'm continuing the series of purpose, and today I have Blerta, also known as Betty Sajdija, on the show. She is a political science student at Charles University in Prague. She was born and raised in the Czech Republic, um, but she's of an Albanian background. She's doing some incredible work with her organization and an NGO founded by her. Called Beat Sexism, um, she is extremely passionate about human rights, and she's therefore an activist specializing in women's rights, and that's what Beat Sexism really, really deals with hands on. But the incredible thing is, she started this organization at the age of sixteen. Her goal is to take a step forward, achieving gender quality and enlightenment on the position and perception of women in our society and I think this is going to be a really interesting and very important conversation.
1: Hi Blertha, how are you? Welcome to Unplug with Annie. Hi, thank you for the invitation, it's a real pleasure.
2: It's, it's really nice to speak to someone who is also somewhat an activist in, in what you do. And I know that you're passionate about helping people and really promoting change. And uh, before we get into those subjects, which I really would love to discuss with you, I wanna know of what attracted you to um, political science growing up and what, what made you kind of step towards this direction?
1: I have been interested in politics for as long as I can remember because as a child I was surrounded with it and as a second generation migrant I was naturally more open to topics uh, that are related to politics because I was born in a country that is not of my origin because originally I'm an Albanian from Kosovo and uh, to be brief um, my country has faced a lot of oppression as well as genocide in the 90s um so that as a historical fact itself has shaped me a lot and to be more uh, aware of what's happening around me um i also spent few years um in kosovo despite despite the fact that i have been born in the czech republic um, and to be more precise i was there in 2004 and 2000, until 2008 uh, which was the Year when Kosovo proclaimed its independence. And also, that year has shaped me a lot. However, um, the afterwar situation in Kosovo, um, I thought to myself that I never want to experience that again. I did not want to see my people suffering, uh, to be subjected to limited opportunities, uh, violence, lack of education, lack of rights, and so much more. So when my family decided to go back to the Czech Republic in 2008, um, since then my passion for politics grew more and more and um, together with the passion of eventually entering decision making. So also on the other hand, um, the political science field I'm passionate about, especially in the theoretical part because uh, since very young, I kept reading um, political theory, despite the fact that I didn't study it. However, now um, I studied, and I wish to continue my studies in this field.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's 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 extremely interesting how you know when we're affected as as children, how how much it really impacts us, you know, leading into to adulthood and even the decisions we're making. And like you said, you were exposed to so much of this as a young child that it made you wanted to, to be involved in something for the betterment of, of society um you, you've created beat sexism and i wanted to know a little bit more about this about why you decided to found this because you did it when you were very young and did it come from this place of your experience with you know gender disparity and equality around the world but specifically because you you talk a lot about gender inequality um where what really inspired
1: you to start this i founded beat sexism when i was 16 which yes is a very young age however i had a name to connect uh, young girls and women uh because i thought to myself um what I was experiencing as a young woman uh, is probably shared with others, too, and I wasn't wrong. I very soon became introduced to the fact that so many women of my age around the world are facing same inequalities, if not identical. Um, even though um, I grew up in, uh, the uni- in the middle of the EU, I was still subjected to the sexist culture. And so I began to question everything. Uh, to be quite honest, I even hesitated for a long time before I started something like this. Uh, the subject is, as you know well, uh, irritating to many people. However, my desire to do something um, for a society has always been um, a goal since I was a little girl, as I was shaped to want a change in a society. And because of my curiosity, I very quickly became introduced to cultural aspects and uh, how our society is made and molded in fact, and the issue of remaining inequality. So I very quickly realized that if I stay silent, I basically accept this inferior position and the continuing persecution and abuse of women. And so I said, enough is enough. We need to unlock the potential of women and empower them um because that's the that's the aim of my organization that's the aim of beat sexism
2: yeah and in terms of your experience then because i feel like sexism and gender inequality it can it it, it stems from also what we've been taught as kids and it's so deeply culturally ingrained sometimes you know even in Asian cultures like I know that I can relate to a certain degree because I feel like within the Asian culture even though I'm British born and British Asian you know a a lot of parents they really want to um, retain their values even if they're even if they're growing up in in western culture essentially and because of that they want to kind of enforce those values on their kids and uh, you know a lot of the times, even through friends experiences I've come to know that as a girl, they're treated very differently to maybe their brother or their cousin or you know, uh, basically their male counterparts. So what do you think then is, is necessary? What are the ingredients or, or really the methods for the change which is going to be sustained in regards to
1: gender inequality? Um, <laughs> first and foremost, I would like to mention that patriarchy Uh, presents itself in a variety of facets and uh, also in different times and uh, and geographies. And so assuming that there is one feminism and uh, that one struggle against patriarchy is misleading and also counterproductive as well. Hence uh, the use of the known metaphor of the many-headed monster which um, depicts the complex nature of patriarchy and it can help us better to understand the problem in order to, to dismantle it. As you said yourself, we grow accustomed to believe that the idea of inferior position of a woman um, is in fact a natural order, natural order. You're told that um, as a woman uh, you're a priori um, Formed to fulfill your biological role, uh, certain liberties, um, certain liberties are not permitted um, to you on the grounds on the grounds of sex. Uh, this also explains the long tradition of the patriarchal order uh, of our society, as these values are unf- unfortunately passed onto the next generation and become, you know, engraved in our thinking and worldview. Um, I generally believe that the change really starts with challenging um, our perception of reality and realizing that it's in fact ambiguous. Um, It's created by each and one of us and we can change it if we want to. Um, I very often like to say that what is real depends on what is socially acceptable. And until we challenge this mindset uh, of society as a whole, we can never really make a meaningful progress that can be sustained. Um, this, of course, is easier said than done, but that's why we are here to talk. But uh, if I had to put this in practice, what I just said, then we can surely imagine our society as a tabula rasa to begin from zero in terms of, okay, let's start through education, for example. Um, from earliest days, uh, Of for consciousness, parents can highly influence how the child thinks. And thus, they can create a better environment for the child to accept these equal values. And the same can be applied to different fields, to different spheres. Let's just start and apply this gender theory in all aspects of our lives. Because as I said, um, the reality is socially formed. We can change it if we want to.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and and you've highlighted, you know, that free will we have free will so it's either we we decide we want change or we you know we we resist it I I guess we become too comfortable and resist it um so what in your opinion because I feel that feminism you know whenever there's a debate and you and you sit around and maybe like someone brings it up like or or someone makes the remark that oh you're such a feminist or if somebody openly says like I'm quite a feminist it tends to have like a bit of a bad reputation or or, you know, bad
1: rep. Um, why do you think that is? Um, I would say that my perception uh, is that mainly um, it is due to the disinformation that is circling around us. Um, you know, the typical feminists are men haters, etc. We know that. Needless to say that in every country. Um, this negative connotation of feminism can differ because you know we have regions where tradition is a key role, and so feminist ideology can seem as a threat to these uh, uh, traditional um, countries. Although, generally speaking, uh, people miss the point that those influencing um, the negative view um, of feminism only represent a small portion um, mm. of the sadly enough, uh, with the power of social media, um, this wave of ignorance um, resulted in misinforming um, users and eroded into the entire, like it has eroded the entire purpose of feminism and the effectiveness of the movement. And I I say it all the time, people need to stop being so afraid of feminism and educate themselves uh, on the movement and why it's so important. You know, feminism is beautiful when you correctly understand it, Mm. and the public was properly educated um, on feminism, more people would come out of their shadows, and the movement would be bigger, more effective than it is today. Uh, Let's just be proud and loud about what we believe in, and especially when it comes to feminism.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think what seems to be common then is this theme of also education and focusing on um, uh, people being enabled to, to to really understand things properly through education. I think that seems a definite key. Uh, there's something else that, you know, uh, it, within the BEATS sexism um, bubble, I know that you speak about sexual harassment as well, And um, obviously, we saw the Me Too movement come and, and not, I mean, kind of leave residue, like it had an impact for sure, but then also kind of come and go, you know, and there were a lot of people who stood by it and really spoke out and shared their experiences. And I think it created this big unity, especially in like the bubble of Hollywood, um, However, do you think that after the movement took place, people are taking sexual harassment more seriously? And are there any personal experiences uh, which you have directly experienced, or perhaps colleagues or friends have experienced, that really kind of uh, have made you more passionate about talking about mm-hmm. this issue?
1: The uh, Me Too um, movement and its success actually it took a decade of hard work, um, not just the hashtag, which is something uh, many people do not realize. And unfortunately, there's more to do. It wasn't enough because sexual violence uh, is a global problem and it is doing harm in nearly uh, every community. Uh, to speak from my personal experiences, um, I would like to grasp it more generally because there are so many uncomfortable events that occurred to me and I believe that uh, many women, as I will mention these, will will agree or they will not. oh, that happened to me as well. Uh, Beginning with, uh, besides sexual harassment, uh, catcalling, typical, street harassment, even groping, drink spiking, uh, being followed to the restrooms, being offered very disgusting, uh things in terms of professional career um but not only this there are also um other events which in eyes of the society can seem normal because they have been practiced daily that they seem already something as accepted and you know normal to do uh, which is for example um, i very i very often am faced um with the essential approach. That means um, the counterpart expects me as a woman uh, to create a family, uh, to be in terms of um, household, also a housewife, you know the very known second shift term um, which is something that has been so normalized and I'm very angry when something like this comes up because there is no essential role that women have to fulfill you do you you will find your own purpose not the society that will direct it this is your role and you need to fulfill this 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 and that and so uh despite all of this uh i also for example face situations um when i'm told that politics isn't for women that women are weak and they cannot Face the pressure that it comes with a political position. There's so much, and I think I will end it here because if I continue, um, it would be the the list would be very long if I spoke in details.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's, um, yeah, it, it, it's, everyone has a different perception about the roles that we also should be playing. But women in particular, yeah, we're often targeted, aren't we, as um, having these, these stereotypical roles. And if we step outside them, we're often challenged or looked down upon. And um, yeah, it, it, it's so interesting. Um, Another thing which we've seen, obviously, Me Too came way before the pandemic. But during this, this during two thousand and twenty, was Black Lives Matter, which was almost, a, you know, a huge movement in itself. It's not that we've never seen it before, but to the scale, to this degree, we've never seen it before. And you know, I, I really hope it brings lasting change. But I know that only time will tell, and there's still a lot of justice to be served. Um, can you tell us? about, I know something you mentioned in beat sexism, sexism is this um, is this term inter, intersectionality. So can you tell us why this is crucial to understanding racial inequality?
1: Um, if feminism isn't intersectional, in my opinion, it is not feminism. Uh, that is my motto and oppression cannot be or cannot be seen uh, or understood as something that exists in the same uh, manner for everybody. Um, There are layers to it which overlap, intersect, and this is precisely what intersectional feminism is trying to explain. Um, I consider intersectionality as a major uh, element of my feminist thinking, actually. And um, as Kimberly Crenshaw, um brought to attention uh it is important to talk about um how there's not only a gender problem a race problem or a class lgbtq plus problem there are many situations where you can be subjected to all of these things at the same time and the number of these situations isn't small and so it's about time that we challenge this dominant idea of uh, feminism, which is overly white, uh, upper class, uppercase, ableist, cis-heterosexual, whatever comes to your head. It actually fails to take into account that um, there's marginalized standpoints, which I just mentioned. Um, So without an understanding of privilege and um, intersectionality, Uh, The feminist movement cannot call itself anti-oppression, feminist praxis cannot be fully understood unless we, you know, understand how issues like race, um, class, gender, ability, sexuality, uh, among others intersect and um, influence each other.
2: I mean, it's, yeah, you mentioned privilege because it was it was so interesting when this whole movement kind of hit as well, how there was almost like a backlash of people, typically white upper class saying that, well, hang on a minute, all lives matter, not just black lives matter. But um, yeah, as we know, the movement wasn't really about that. It wasn't kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't trying to create separation. It was just quite trying to create more awareness for for. for um for more equality essentially um a- another thing which is now coming up this year which i'm reading more about and i i know some people working in organizations who are really trying to shed more light on 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 this issue which is ch- child trafficking and there seems to be an uproar and i know that even companies like netflix are being attacked and called out for you know being perpetrated to some degree you know being uh Kind of subjugating young kids uh, into this world of glamour, and you know they're, they're way underage to be doing that, and it's creating this perception and, and feeding into this idea of trafficking. Um, what are your thoughts on on this on this issue and and where do we go from here? What can we do as individual people to
1: to create better change in terms of this? Um, Yes, the controversy around Netflix, that has been going on lately a lot. Uh, Regarding the film Cuties, if our our listeners aren't as much aware, um, for me, it's actually unbelievable that uh, sexualization of children has reached such a point. Um, There's some really disturbing scenes um, in this movie performed by child actresses. For example, there's um, this scene where a little girl is sexually dancing and a stranger is a man uh eyeing her out and the camera then zooms on in her little 11 years old body at very uncomfortable places in her body and uh when i saw it i was speechless first of all i think that was the reaction of every individual who saw the movie or at least the trailer or something on the other hand um I'm glad people are speaking up. Despite the fact um, that it's truly saddening, we have to raise our voices against sexualiz- sexualization of children, you know? It's something that shouldn't be promoted, first of all, and let alone being promoted by big companies such as Netflix, which have a huge influence on children and on the youth. Um, what what really um, shook me even more is that the director of the cuties movie said that this movie is feminist and i would like to make a few comments on that because here we go again feminism being misinterpreted and misused for personal um for personal i don't know um saving themselves or um Mm -hmm. i would like to say that the movie cannot be called feminist because it is not femini- feminist for a child to watch porn, show breasts on camera, a video chat, take pictures of um, uh, of a naked crutch and post it online and touch their genitals on stage, which is everything what happens in the movie actually. And this is simply sexualization and objectification of children and especially young girls. And that is something that feminism is very much opposed to. Um, And as individuals, all we can do from our position, from or let's say from um, behind the screens of our notebooks and phones, all we can do is speak up because child sexualization has been happening for years. But when it comes to the point when it's promoted um, in big companies, all we can do is sign positions and speak up and eventually attention which has been proved uh, that it worked so yeah
2: yeah well that's encouraging i mean i'm glad that it's i'm glad that we're able to do these little changes and they do work because you know a a lot of the time you feel like oh what what is signing this petition really going to do is it really going to create change you know how am i contributing but it's kind of like voting right If, if one doesn't vote it and and the majority end up not voting. It has a profound impact on the results. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that helped. In regards to to you doing all this great work and just, you know, promoting change and fighting for justice, um, how is it that you have come to find a sense of purpose in doing this? And w- was there a moment w- where you really realized, like,
1: this this is my purpose, this is what I'm supposed to do? To me... Um, It's an ethical obligation. Um, I believe that we as human beings have an ethical obligation to will freedom for ourselves and uh, others. Uh, If you see a group of people being actively oppressed, uh, you have an ethical obligation to will their freedom and challenge the status quo. Uh, Because it is the courage and the intelligence to recognize that we that the world can and should change
2: yeah no on that note i hope that i hope that everyone listening <laughs> definitely decides to and feels encouraged to take a, a a bigger leap of faith and and you know go out and help some great causes and um so just the last thing I would ask is your organization beat sexism. Could you just tell us in short, like if people did want to get involved or they wanted to you know help help you out, um, help with campaigns or anything like that, creating awareness, um, where would they reach you?
1: So um, our organization is um, online on majority of social medias. Predominantly, we are active on Instagram. So if you tap at BeatSexism, uh, you can find us. Uh, Eventually, you can check our work, which is published also on our website, uh, uh, BeatSexism.com. if you're interested to join our project uh, we would be more than happy because currently we are just enlarging our teams uh, around the world to make change possible at least raise our voices during the COVID-19 and organize as many as meaningful events as we can so uh, if you're interested in dismantling sexism if you're interested in making an impact then definitely contact us or you can find us as i mentioned on social media and we would be more than happy to have you in our team
2: great thank you so much thank you for for being part of this show and really shedding some light i know it's like a heavy conversation this one but but (laughs) it always
1: is isn't it um Yeah, so, but thank you for taking time out. Thank you very much for the invitation. It was a pleasure. Even though we spoke about heavy topics, I'm glad that we spoke about them because that's what matters.
2: Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Bleda.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Hi. Well, that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. I hope you tune in next week when I talk to another exceptional guest. As usual, every Sunday, we're continuing the series of Purpose and I hope it thoroughly, thoroughly speaks to you. It affects you. I hope you're inspired to share the message with someone And I hope that you have already subscribed to the podcast. If not, please go to www.unplugannie.com and you can find all the podcast links as well as other links and articles which may be of interest to you. You can also subscribe and receive the weekly email newsletter to your inbox and be part of the family in a more active way. Until next week.